So, I'm pretty excited about today again. And some of you guys are, again, yes, again. Reason is, we have an opportunity to hear another strong word from someone who really is not a guest speaker. He's from the house, okay? And this guy, really, and his wife, Brent and Angie Serta, they are really a part of this home, and they are uh, part of our prayer partners. Now, you might recognize their faces because they probably prayed over you guys, or maybe you've had conversations with them. But let me tell you something. The heart that Brent and Angie have for just simply missionary work is just beyond, beyond in what I can possibly imagine. It's, he's actually gotten me motivated. And over the past year, year and a half, I would say we've had some meetings and discussions about what God is doing in this place. And then finally, about a few weeks ago, I said, or actually about a month ago, I said, Brent, would you bring a word to the church? Would you share what you've been sharing with me during breakfast time? Would you just share with, with them what you shared to me? And he said, yeah, I definitely would love to do that. But before I introduce him, I want to give you a little feedback. We have some pictures. Can you show these pictures really quick? Now, Brent and Angie are missionaries, and they actually head to the Philippines at least twice, maybe three times a year. And they spend a few weeks out there, uh, and they really help in orphans. Right now, I don't know if you can see it, but that's Brent way in the middle actually ministering uh, a word to a church out there in the Philippines. Uh, and what they do is they help an orphanage out there. They, they really just get down on their, on their knees, and they just really serve these children. I'm going to let him share some stories with you. Uh, go ahead and go to the next pictures, please, as we keep going. You can see right there, he's, he's got a translator. So he's going to do well second service, really well second service. You know, and go to the next picture, just keep going. And we have him praying over these kids. Now, I remind you, a lot of these kids don't have moms and dads. You know, one of the biggest things that they actually face, he was sharing with me, is typhoons. And, you know, and he has stories that can really just break a parent's heart. And so that's why they have this orphanage out there that they're a part of that really takes care of these people on these children. But not only that, they minister the word of God to them. And it's one of the things that I love. Go to the next one. I'm waiting for that last one. Uh, that, that's not the last one, but yes, that's all the ki- most of the kids right there. Go to the next one. That's the one I was waiting for. So if you see in Brent's hand, that's a puppet, and it's Jesus. And he's literally teaching these kids through props. And he just told me this morning, hey, I'm a props guy. Can I bring some props? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. You know, but their heart for this, for this area is just huge. We've been really connected for a long time, and I really want him to share something encouraging to you guys. So this is your own church member here. Let's give a warm welcome and, and just a, a, a good introduction to Brent Serta. Come up here, man. <laughs> good morning. As you know, my name is Brent Serta. I am a... Uh, uh, an ordained uh, missionary, and uh, introduce my, my. If you don't know my lovely wife Angie Serta, we have three children, uh, all grown and gone. So if you got kids, it's sad to see them go. But man, when you come in empty nesters, it's a good day. <laughs> you can do what you want, eat what you want. You, the only problem is you can't blame the kids for eating it. So <laughs> um, let's start out with a prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. We raise up all of our hearts to you to minister to our hearts what we need, to minister to see what you have for us in the future, in the past, and bring us to a beautiful place that you have purpose for us. Minister to each one of us our responsibilities and our opportunities that we have. Thank you, Lord, for always giving us insight that you're always with us and you always love us. We thank you, Lord, that 
we go from here every day like this. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, it was probably, it was, well, exactly uh, April 12th, 1990, at 7.30 at night when I became a Christian, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It was up in Grand Haven at this particular church called Res Life. <laughs> Past, pastor, if you didn't know, it was Bernie Gruendike. He prayed with me, I accept Jesus Christ that night. The speaker was Hilton Sutton. Things you just never forget, and it seemed like it was just yesterday this had happened to me. Shortly after that, I had to go to work that night, work third shift over here at Hayworth. Felt like I never had to eat or sleep again, and I couldn't get the word fast enough. It was, it was embodied to me that I just got to know more. Shortly after that, after within, with next, by the next year, I applied, and I read this book called In the Name of Jesus by Kenneth E. Hagan. And in the very back of it, it talks about this school called Rhema. And I applied there. Uh, pastor over at, uh, in Granville, he signed me over, pa Pastor Dwayne, he signed, signed me over. He said, anybody wants to learn more of the Word of God? I'm all for it. So he signed my paperwork. They accepted me, and I went on up that way. In that steps of being saying that I am also a Rhema graduate, all the pastors of this church has been a Rhema graduate, there is a reason for that. And this all has to do with you. We see it. We've talked about it many a times about the purpose behind us. And I want to explain to you your purpose and everything that you do. Now, after I left Rama, I came back to Michigan, and my life turned upside down and left and right, and that's a whole other sermon. But I returned back to Oklahoma, didn't know what I was going to do with myself, and I applied for a job just for fun to be a flight attendant for Southwest Airlines, which I got hired on, and I have been doing it for near, oh, coming up on 25 years. So I pondered in Southwest Airlines for about 10 years, and after about 10 years, I, I sat down and I started getting the nitty-gritty and when you sit on a jump seat with another flight attendant, you hear things you just really don't want to hear. They tell your life stories, everything up and down the line. After a while, I started ministering to them bit by bit, telling them about Jesus. For the past 15 years, I've been pretty aggressive about it. Uh, things that a lot of companies would fire you for, for me mentioning, but I've always been under the protection of the Lord. No one's ever mentioned it to me before. I have offended a few people, but that's their offense, not mine, so I don't worry about it. And I, and I continue ministering that gospel to them. Uh, there's things you sit in this jump seat, the pains and hurt that are in their hearts that what you guys have in you, they need. They need it in the worst way. See, I always had a theory that, and I do believe it's true, everyone is seeking for Jesus. They're just looking in the wrong places. They need that fulfillment that you guys have found. You need that, that security that Jesus is your Lord and who he is inside your heart. And so that's what I shared with them. There's been times I've been a lot of watering and seeding what's already in them. And there's been times on the jump seat, flying at 40,000 feet, they're accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I did one time, one lady in the back, a customer. And I don't know what I said, but she leaned over to me and said to me, what do you mean by receive? And I had to explain it to her, coming in and landing in Baltimore at at about 200 miles an hour, praying with her fast as I can because I got to get her back in her seat before we land. <laughs> Afterwards, I wrote down a nice, good uh, Rhema church that I knew of that was near the airport, and I gave it to her and said, go here, they'll hook you up. I never, I never know the outcome of those things, but I know that when I get to the throne, I will find this all out. There's so much I wanted to share with you, and it's funny because Pastor Jesse asked me to send notes over and this, 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 and the other thing, and uh, it's all gone different. <laughs> So me and my wife started out going to the Philippines, and I had the heart, my heart on the Philippines in about 2003. 
Now, the thing about me and my wife, as you see, she is Filipino. But we, we didn't get together until 2007 when we got married. The thing about it was me and my wife met when we were 13 years old. She moved to our town, a little kid, and I didn't have a Jesse moment where he was seeing a slow motion. <laughs> she was friends with my friends. She was friends with my sister, and she came over, and they're hanging out, and she just says, "Oh, that's that's Brent," you know, like sister does. And I just went, "Hi," and off off we went. Had a crush her in high school, kind of flirted with her, but never kind of really know one nowhere. I went to her house one time looking for her. Her dad yelled at me. I said, "I'm not going back there anymore." <laughs> And that was by the end of it, until many years later, we met back up. Angie received the Lord at the age of 13, but I didn't receive the Lord until the age of 28. Separately, we prayed about how we knew we should have been together, but how this came about. And the problem was, and this is the basic problem, we were too busy doing our plan and not God's plan, and it separated us from his plan, and we would have met up probably, probably around shortly after I got saved, around 29, and would have got married then and lived our life together. But once we dedicate our life back to the Lord to serve what he's telling us to do, he restores everything back to you. So, so my heart in 2003 was on, on the Philippines. We met up in 2007. I kept on saying, I need, I need to go to the Philippines. I want to go to the Philippines. So finally, in 2014, 14, we joined up with another group and went out to the Philippines. We just kind of tagged along. Well, it was a group that there were Christians. I don't know if there was a salvation among them, but they were, but, the, but they just went out to do good. And when I was around with them and we started praying for people, I believed in the Holy Spirit and started speaking in other tongues and everything else, and the Holy Ghost moved and they all freaked out. <laughs> it was a, about a 14, 10-day trip, something like that, and at the end of it, they weren't talking to me no more. That's all good. But it made me connection with this particular orphanage called Samaritan's Place. It's on the main island of the Philippines, ran by Mark and Marilyn Morris. This, this particular orphanage was set up beautifully with a beautiful mission house, and it's set up in little uh, townhomes. They put parents in there with their kids, and the orphans live with them in a family mode until they're adopted. Uh, some of them, you, you know, some of the babies, the mothers die at birth, or they just found them ditched somewhere in a dumpster or something like that. There's other ones where during the hurricane, there was three young, uh, young, young adults, I guess. Not even adults, or kids still at the time. Now they're adults. And the, uh, it was a, a two sons and a, and a daughter. The father of a family of six tried tying them all together during the hurricane and the floods. Those three broke away. Those three got caught up in the line and drowned it. So they were brought to this orphanage, and the young girl was, was the worst of the story, where, she, where they were caught up in a tree for days until somebody rescued them. And all she saw was dead bodies floating by. She could not talk or speak to, for months. Finally, she came out of her shell. They, they dedicated their lives to Jesus Christ, became incredible, incredible Christian people. They got adopted. The, boy did get to, the oldest boy got too old. But by the laws of the Philippines, they changed it, where if they adopted two, the third one could come along. Just uh, this past year, he signed a, a contract to run cross-country for a, uh, a college in the United States, got a free ride to college, and they're serving the Lord down, down south. There's wonderful, wonderful stories on that end, but you see a, a lot of heartache, but loving, loving children. After we went down there and ministered for a while, I hooked up with another, another church uh, down south uh, on, in Raja City. Now, down in Raja City, we helped this pastor out. They got other churches are trying to develop and develop this area into a Christian area. Their particular church is the same believing that we are, uh, and we work with them. I also work up north 
up in the Baguio in the mountains, and now with a couple other pastors, we just go up there and we do some preaching. There's a particular uh, programs we start. Of course, you always take care of orphans, but then we started a program uh, for elderly widows that need help financially, food, things like that. We met one woman that uh, she took her son out of school, and I guess he was really smart to work so she can eat. So we supply food for her so her son could stay in school, or grandson it is, her grandson could stay in school so he could supply for them. And so in the Philippines, it's not like the United States where they take care of their elderly. They take care of their mom and dad. So, so you don't find a whole lot of that. How that came about was is that we were down in Raja City and we were walking along the shore. And along this shore, there was an elderly lady with her granddaughter. And, and she's, she's digging in the edge of the shore, pulling out uh, clams, itty-bitty clams, so they could cook them to open them up so they could eat the meat out of them. That's how she gets her food. And so Angie went up there and talked to her a little bit, and she understands the language, and they were able to talk a little bit. And uh, as we walked away, uh, we prayed for her, and as we walked away from her, I, it came to my heart that I am not relieved of the responsibility of taking care of such people. And it's right in the scriptures over in James 1, 27, our responsibility or our, what God finds true and pure religion is taking care of orphans, widows, and not contaminating yourself. So through our ministry this past year, we started a foundation called Lord Most High Ministries. It's based off of uh, Psalm 717. Do we have that? Okay, I think it's up there in a minute. There it is. So um, so, uh, you see, we give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. It's all based on Jesus Christ. It's all based on his righteousness. And this is what spoke to my heart when I read this. And we sing praises to the Lord Most High. So I started a Lord Most High Ministries as a nonprofit organization. Basically, the bylaws and way we wrote it was I collect no salary because we have jobs. So I had collect no salary off this or, or off my or, organization. And what we put into it pays for our tickets, our hotels, that part of it. Anybody who donates to us, and we do have several donators and stuff like that, 100% goes toward these orphans and widows. We have it all ledgered. We have it all broken down. So when I, when I receive the monies, I break it all down. It's the purpose of filling what he has called me to do. This is something that was placed on my heart. So let's get on with some preaching teaching here, okay? Now, when I told you about the connection between uh, us, why we're Rhema, where you guys fit in this, let me start out. Uh, when I was on Raja City, I gave a word in Matthew 9, 35, 38. And this is basically saying the Lord came down. He saw the, the multitudes of the people, and he was moved in compassion, and he said, there's, there's so many but so few workers pray for a harvest. And so this, I gave this word to the church down in Raja City, and it sat on me, and it, it touched my spirit, it, and it worked on me time and time again. And as it went on, another scripture came to mind, and it came to my heart, was 2 Timothy 4, 6, 8. Now, you heard this many times where uh, it says that uh, Paul is talking about, for I am being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. So he's about ready to leave this earth, and he knows it. Now, I don't know about you, but and you probably would do the same thing. If you knew you were leaving this earth, you would pull the people love you near and dear to your heart. You would pull them close to you and share the most important things. I would tell my children when I went to, I tell my wife when I took, and I would share everything I can before I leave this earth. But Paul didn't have a family. He didn't have children or a wife, but he had Timothy. Timothy was his boy. 
So he had to share with Timothy what was on his heart and, and, how, and how he finished his face, race with faith. And it's so important that, 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 that why we preach faith. It's a very cornerstone. Now, I'm going to explain that a little bit later. So over in, uh, if you back up to see what he was telling him, over in 2 Timothy 4, uh, 1 and 2, he talks about that God will judge, but the very first thing in verse 2, he says, preach the word. Be ready in and out of season. That's why we, we share the word with you. This is why we, we uh, tell you to be in the word. Renew your mind. Be ready because your time's coming. And this is the part that you got. Many of you are feeling your heart right now that I'm ready for something. I need something. And, 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 and this has grown and it's about ready to blossom for you at any time. And this is why we're here for. Like I said before, you had all Rama graduates, pastors, and myself. And I came here in connection. I can't tell you for years after, after we met Edgar, how many times I said to her time and time again, we need to go see Pastor Edgar. We need to, I mean, I was missing it. I admit it, I was missing God big, you know? And, and just the idea of just trying to connect with him. And then finally, finally we, things changed and moved around, but there was still this strong connection for some reason. I still can't explain it. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> so, so I want to explain to you it's a little history of what, why it is, why it is what it is, what it is. I gotta get some glasses here because I got it written on this part. You know, some of you got this. Okay. So in the early 1900s, there was a guy named Rupert Bailey. He was a young son of a farmer, and he was born again, spirit-filled, and he would walk the farm and pray and read his Bible. That's all he would do. If he wasn't working, he was praying and working, reading his Bible. And that's all he would do, and he would pray over the land. And he said, make this land be a powerful thing for the Lord. May it be used powerfully. But when it came to 1917, the, the, there's this woman, and the, Lord, and the Lord came to her and said, your son will bring in the last message before my return. In 1917, was born was Kenneth E. Hagan. Now, I want to mind you this. It's the message, not the man. Okay. He was the purpose of bringing his last message. So uh, he was born in 1917. In 1934, Kenneth Hagin was healed from the deathbed. He had rare diseases, heart problems, all sorts of things. And when he read Mark 11, 22, 24, he claimed that saying to this mountain, cast and scene, do not doubt in your heart, and you believe what you have, you shall have it. And so he, he says, well, then I believe I'm healed. Somewhere along the way, he was laying in bed, and one day he heard the Lord say to him, I've never seen a well person lay in bed all day. So he drug himself to the edge of the bed, forced himself up with very little energy, very little strength because he was so ill. And by the time he hit the floor, he was healed. And he went on from there, preaching the word and, 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 and learning. They went on for quite a while where the Lord taught him and put him through things to help develop his faith and teach him things in faith. He would dig into the word for hours and hours to develop his faith. And all the things, he wanted to be a pastor. The Lord said, no, you're going to be an evangelist. Let me tell you right now. It was a month after I got saved. My first words out of my mouth was, I never want to be a missionary. <laughs> so no one can tell me God's not funny. <laughs> he, uh, so never say never, because he'll, he'll teach you different. But come 1950, Brother Hagen, he was told by the Lord that I put you through these things, now go teach my people faith. So he went out and continued evangelizing and traveling and trusting God. And there's a bunch of other things happening. I'm skipping along a lot. There's a lot of history going on here, but I'm getting to the highlight points. 
1966, Kenneth Hagin Jr., his son, entered, entered the ministry. He was called to build the vehicle that would carry the message of the word of faith. And this, and this vehicle was called Rhema. He built it up, and in 1974, he opened up Rhema in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But in 1976, Rhema moved to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, where we all went to school. This is the very same land that Rupert Bailey prayed over that would be used mightily by God. This is where it all took place by prayer, 75 years after the fact that that prayer came into in, in, in existence. Now it's a 100-acre campus. Okay, let's skip over that. So over the things, okay, in, 1990, in 1997, Brother Hagen had a prophecy that how at the graduation, when all the students are graduating, he said, the feet from here are going to march all over the world. And he explained how they're going to, and it's just a prophecy. He hears a rumbling of march, march, the, the feet stomping on the ground. And over that, today there are over 250 Rhema Bible training centers all over the world. And this came out and it blossomed and it grew to a point where uh, Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen, let me explain this to you. This, this is the part you guys are going to start playing into this is that because the word of faith has been stolen in us and we bring the word of faith to you, you're all part of the prophecy of marching all over the world. In 1996, Brother Hagen had another prophecy, and this was at the camp meeting, and he prophesied that the three waves of the Holy Ghost that came in the past century, there's a fourth one coming, and it will be bigger than all three of them put together. We are a part of that right now. The group I'm with is AFCM. They're, out of, they're a part of a branch off of Rhema that they started their own organizations, but they're connected with Rhema, and they're all, mostly the Word of Faith people, and they are monitoring this prophecy. They see it happening all over the world through India, South Korea, through China, uh, all the parts that we go to, and this flow is going to happen. Now, I looked it up. It was, it was Azusa Street in 1906. Pentecostal movement in 1946, 1949, and the charismatic movement in 1980, or excuse me, 1960 to 1970. There were the three, there was a lot of movements, but these are the three that affected the whole world. The next one's going to be even bigger. And so we see it tra transparent right now. Now the part you're going to play in, and remember, you remember the part where uh, Jesus turned to, turned to uh, Peter and James and said, I will make you fishermen of men? Follow me. You're here because you, you decided to follow me. So we got to continue following me. Now, this is a net. And, and mind you, that rhema itself is like a rope. It's not a net. Okay? Because a, a rope does not make a net. But many, many ones. And over the years, we've all left there. And in this net, if I get right, here we go. Okay, in this net is each connection of all the churches around that have the influence of the word of faith over a, almost a century of, of or I can't say that long, but over the time Kenneth Hagin learned it, was developed in it, gave it to, to, passed it on. He always told us, and you could tell us in the class, I have studied this so I could pass it on to you so you could take it farther. That was the plan. We are taking it farther, and this is the part we play. Now, this, this net could be the group I'm involved with. We had uh, 
uh, was it Keith Moore and his group, and he's a part of the net. And it's just different branches. We make this huge net, Stika. <laughs> now here's the earth. Here you go. Do you, do you, do you feel strong? <laughs> right. <laughs> Turn this way. Okay. Y'all know Steve. Give him a hand. <laughs> See, and this net has to cover the whole earth because this is the commission to the church. Okay? And as it's covering it, because any time now, as we're almost completing the commission, because we're this close, and this is what my group is seeing, is that this group, and any time that the father is going to say to the son, go get my children, and we're out of here, and whatever's left is left. And, and then to carry on for seven years. Right. Now, the part you play in this is this net. Wow. We, what part do you want to weave in here? What part do you want to put in here? That's your choice. You put the word of God inside of you, and you spell it out. What I just did up here, thanks, buddy. What I just did up here <laughs> is point out, point out the part that we each play. My organization is part of this. Res Life is part of this. Pastor Dwayne up there, he was affected by the word of faith. And now you're part of the prophecy to fulfill the coming of Jesus Christ, and that's up to us. He gave us a commission over in Acts. We have to fulfill that. So we are preparing the opportunity for you. What part do you want to play in this? So many times that we, we look at it time and time again. Over in, uh, well, let's look over at Philippians Philippians 4, I'm just going to go to verse 17. Now that I desire your gifts, because Paul's asked, they're helping out Paul, and he goes, not that I desire your gifts, but I desire, uh, my paper clips in the way, sorry, they be credited to your account. If I could read it from the, this is the Philippians uh, 4.17, this is the Amplify from 1987. Now that, I, now that I seek, I am eager for your gift, but I do not seek and eager for the fruit in which increases your credit. The harvest of the blessed is that accumulates to your account. It's not that he needed it. He just wants to see that you give him faith to grow. And I'm not talking about faith in, in financials. That's not the only thing. It's of yourself. It's of what you can do and what you have inside you that these people out there need so badly. These children, these orphans need your love. Uh, my mother-in-law grew up in the Philippines, young girl, and she saw missionaries come and go. But the thing about it was they never thought they ever cared because they saw them once, they came and took their photo opportunities, and they all left and never saw them again or never heard from them again. The opportunities come in your way to be able to minister the gospel. Over in Revelations 19, it says that, that your, uh, your testimony is the same spirit of the prophecy. What I just gave you is my testimony. I shared how, how, what happened in my life, how God improved it. I mean, through my early 20s, before I became Christian when I was 28, I was homeless, I stole, I lied, I cheated. I, 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 I thought I was done. It took me to go into a grocery store in the middle of the night, a woman that worked there late night that invited me to church to start telling me about her, her children and what God did for her. And I actually said to her, lady, it's too late for me. Give it up. Forget about it, you know? I'm an Italian on her. But, but nevertheless, she... Uh, she, she, she prayed. She persisted. Finally, one day I said, there had to be more to life than this. And finally, I just went ahead and I, I, found, I had to track her down. And I started going to church with her. I went to Granville up here, and I heard the word for three months. And finally, I said, this is what I need. This, I need Jesus in my life. And I started changing before I actually received. 
But once I received, that's when the change all took place. So in this net, if you're sitting here right now, you're sitting here right now, and, it's, and in your heart, you want to be a part of the net. You want to be part of the kingdom of God and, and be a part of them. The thing is, I go out to the Philippines, and when I talk to these other fellow Christians or people out there, they believe Jesus is Lord. They believe he died on the cross and the rose on the third day, but they never received him. And it's, so, it's a kind of an easy field. You've got to point it out to them by Scripture, and they're more than happy to receive Jesus. And that's usually a one-on-one -on -one thing I do. But for you right here, right now, search your own heart. Did you receive Jesus? Did you make him Lord of your life? Because right at the moment, time and place, I know I did it. Now, I'm not saying you had to know the time and place, but you know the heart change. So with every eye closed, with every head bowed, if you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, you want to accept him as your Lord, you search your heart out right now. It says in the word that you believe he died on the cross and rose on the third day. And you confess him with your mouth and you are saved. They become part of the net. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, your, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just go ahead and slip your hand in the air. Mind you, no one judges it, but everyone thinks that it's great. We got one here. Anybody else? We got two. Anybody else? We got a third. Okay. If everybody puts your hand in your heart, bow your head. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I make you my Lord. I know you died on the cross and rose on the third day. And Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you gave yourself up for me. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go ahead and give a clap offering to, to Brent. Thank you. You did really well without a binder, man. That's what I took notice of. Well, what I was talking about, when we had a speaker, was it Vanderkolt last week? Uh-huh. And he said there and he had to use his iPad to get his face recognition opened up. Here's mine right here. <laughs> I'm old school, baby. <laughs> I love it, though. I love it. Again, give it up for one more time for Brent and Angie. Church, I, I have breakfast with this guy quite often. And he simply has a heart for the kingdom of God. He just wants people to accept Jesus and receive him. I love this illustration right here. I think this was perfect, Brent. You know, because it, it, it's true. We all have a role in this net, you know. And, and, and I want to share a little bit uh, uh, with you guys. I actually asked Brent ahead of time, hey, if you give me like a few more minutes at the end of your message, that would be great, which he did very well. Um, he got, him and his wife go to the Philippines a lot to, to the orphanage to do great work and I've actually been connected through him and got to see some things video uh, even some FaceTime stuff of what's going on so there's a lot more uh, things that we wish we had like three hours to share with you uh, but we don't we can do that afterwards uh, but but here's the thing come September 17 I am heading to the Philippines with Brent and Steve and I'm gonna be going thank you the reason why I'm going is because the Lord put that in my heart a year and a half ago, Brent. About, about, that, yeah, about yeah. a year and a half ago, I uh -huh. said, Brent, there's something. I don't know what it is. And can I be can I be honest with you guys? You're my church family, right? At first, I was scared. <laughs> I've never been overseas, you know? And I'm like, and, I, and it's one of those things. God never sent me overseas <laughs> as a missionary, you know? 
But God will humble you. I'm telling you that right now. But over the course of the time, just just him sharing what's going on over there, my heart has been um, excited. You know, it's been so filling. And yeah, I have my wife and my children. I think about it. I talk to God about that all the time. But he reminds me. He reminds me that I have called and commissioned you to preach to the world. To the world. And he has offered some opportunities for me to teach out there as well, too. I, one of them was called, um, with the kids, what was Kids it? Club. Kids Club. Kids yeah. Club. So me and him are going to tag him. And we're actually going to go to the streets of the yeah. Philippines as well, too, and just share the word of God to some people. And we're believing right now. So I was always taught, you, you pray, then you plan. Okay? You pray first, then you plan. Anything and in all aspects of your life. So I've been praying. My wife and I, we've all been praying for about a year now, just asking God, okay, is this something you want us to do? And here's, here's the obstacle, church. I'm going to help you guys out as well, too. Sometimes when we pray, we think, well, that's not God because I sent something in me. But sometimes that's just fear. And you have to discern, and I say that carefully, you have to discern, is this God or is this me? Okay, and let me tell you something. Paul teaches that even though the, the flesh is weak, the spirit is always willing. And I had to tune in, and it took me some time. And I had to tune in, and I said, okay, what is my spirit saying? Because God ministers spirit to spirit. And it said, go. It said, and then not only that, I had some people that I look up to that said, hey, you need to take your, your feet off the soil and go somewhere else. And those are just confirmations that God just added and gave. But he, here, here's the deal. Come September, I am heading to the Philippines with Brent, something that the Lord has put in my heart. And what I'm going to do uh, is we're going to head out there. And we're, we're praying that we can actually show footage the weekend I'm gone. So you guys can kind of see what's going on while I'm out there. I'll be gone for about 10 days. Okay, so there will be one whole weekend I won't be here. Uh, we'll have someone else up here as, as, as to kind of fill in as well. But hoping that, I, again, technology is hard with the, with the reception out there. We're hoping that we can get a video for you guys to kind of give you an update mid, mid-week while I'm over there. But I need your prayers. This is why I'm sharing this. I need your prayers. That's where it starts. I need your prayer and support as just saying, God, you will pave a way. There, will, there are people we can encounter that do not know the message of Jesus, that we can legitimately have an opportunity to share the gospel. You know, he talked about Rama, which is a place I graduated from as well, too. That word Rama simply is just translated to the spoken word. That's all it is, the spoken word. And so we're given an opportunity to go out there and speak truth to the word of God. And I remember I had that heart transformation one time where I heard the word, the spoken word, coming to my ears, getting into my thoughts, and seeking into my heart, and my hand just went up. And I said, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And that's the belief over there in the Philippines. And not only that, I believe with all my heart, and I'm waiting for God's word and release to really have an opportunity as a church, maybe to do some work with this with this orphanage. But if I stand and I believe in it, and I'm going to uh, promote this thing that God's doing, then I'm going to be front in line and say, God, then you send me. And let's see what we can do because I'm sold into whatever you want me to do. So church, will you be in agreement for the next couple of months of just praying for my wife and I and our children as I get ready to depart It's come September? Does that sound good? Awesome. Awesome. And here's another thing I'm going to share in my heart and I'll close it out for everybody. Uh, one of the things that I really feel, feel deep in my heart is this is something that I'm not going to uh, use through church finances. I'm going to take it my, upon myself and raise the money outside of the church because I believe God wants me to do that. And so come later on, maybe on Facebook or maybe I'll write some letters to you guys. I'm going to do some fundraising as well too, including Steve as well. But we don't want to touch the church finances. I'm believing God, if this is you, 
you're going to provide every need as I go. And I got my passport already, so <laughs> which is the very first step, very, very first step of everything. And so, church, I'm just asking for your prayers. And as time goes by, I'll keep you updated. If you have a question, talk to me and Brent. Brent has way more knowledge about the Philippines itself. Um, but as for the mission trip itself, you can talk to me, uh, and we're pretty excited. You guys doing well? Yeah, I hope that stirred you guys inside. I was, as he was showing the net and the world, and I'm like, man, that day's going to come, man, where it's just going to be like the sun is just going to pull his church. And I want to make sure I'm a part of that, and I'm in the net, you know. I'm in the net. I want to be with the Lord, and I want to do this. But the mission is not over. He hasn't done that yet. You have a world of people in you right now. It might be work. It might be home. It might be at the store. And for him, someone encountered him at the grocery store in the middle of the night, and that was her world. Brent was in it, and he got pulled in to the kingdom of God, which is awesome. And so my encouragement to you, church, is search it and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? And whatever you didn't want to do, ask God, okay, all right, is that what you want me to do? And he'll talk to you about it because he's that good and he's that faithful. Let's, let's all stand up and let's, let me pray over you guys. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, first and foremost,